Welcome to Radical Strategies. T, how are you today? Hey, doing good. You're a filmmaker, and I think it's going to be fantastic for a lot of our viewers to just learn how to go about developing this type of career. So yeah. maybe uh, an introduction? For sure. Uh, I'm T, and I am a filmmaker. Um, I also do uh, music videos and short form, longer form content. I've done ads, branded content. Uh, and identify as a storyteller, and I'm always happy when I am given any medium to do so. Hmm. Excellent. Well, I think it'd be good just to start at the beginning, and let's look at your, your timeline, see how you got started, um, what you're like as a kid, how that went into school, and how you studied. Um, so why don't we start at the beginning, see how the storyline got going. <laughs> yeah. Um... I was an only child for the first four years of my life. And in that time, I developed a really intense sense of imagination. And uh, I guess a sense of the world that mm. may not have matched what was going on around me, but one that I liked better. And I wasn't great at verbal communication so much, but I knew how to draw and I knew how to write. And mm. so that was how I tried to express myself as a kid. I was just like, I was furiously drawing all the time and anything I could get my hands on to like, you know, I would make these little collages and stuff, like go through magazines. I just remember cutting out pictures and just like trying to tell the story of what was happening within me. And, you know, when I, became socialized with uh, others in school and stuff it was very hard for me to build like a lot of relationships but mm. i would always kind of like latch on to one or two people my age that like were my besties and then i always had like really strong relationships with teachers and i was really lucky to be in a, a school system that like had teachers that really wanted to support my curiosity and mm -hmm. support my like thirst for knowledge you know I was that annoying kid that like finished my homework because I was so excited about doing it um so that I could draw more and then my teachers would see that I was bored so they would give me new books to read or new things to try or mm. you know take us to the theater or whatever and I knew very early that like I, I wanted to be an artist but I I didn't know exactly what that meant you know mm. I just knew that I wanted to make stuff yeah. And I was always happy when I was like touching and, and doing things with my hands where like there was nothing and then there was something, you know? <laughs> and like, I don't know, I, I, I knew I couldn't sing. Mm. I loved music. <laughs> and I knew I was like really good at like writing and telling stories. Mm -hmm. um, and like, I feel like the best way that I could get things out of my head was like through making stuff. Like I felt very kind of lonely in here. Like there was this whole world going on. Mm -hmm. And so that was like the outlet. It was art. It was, it was, yeah, art. And I, for, there was a moment there where I didn't want to be a veterinarian or a, um, uh, marine biologist. Like I became obsessed with the ocean and I wanted to like, do science and I love science still and mm -hmm. love that you can incorporate the, the two now. But yeah, I, it was it was junior high where I got the film bug. Um, the school that I went to, our public access station was mm -hmm. there. 
And um, I remember I just like enrolled in like, it was sixth grade. I think I was 11 or 12. And I was so annoyed because in our art class, we were making paper mache hamburgers. <laughs> I was like, this is stupid. I don't want to do this. Like what? This is like for kids. Mm. And I walked past the studio to go, you know, whatever. I was leaving campus and I looked inside and I saw all these cameras. And like, mm. this was, you know, late nineties. So they were still like big video cameras. Mm. And I was like, what is, what's in there? You know, what's that? They told somebody was outside. I think, I don't know what they were doing, but somebody was outside and they're like, oh, that's, um, Casey, whatever our channel was. I was like, wait, that happens here. They're like, yeah. And they have the video tech class and you can take that class. Then you can come work in here. And I was like, next day, <laughs> unenrolled in art was in the video tech class. Mm. And that was like it for me, honestly, like that was such a pivotal moment. And mm. like my teacher, um, Mr. Reality, he, uh, he was a mentor, you know, it was unofficial, but mm. I'm so grateful for him now, like looking back, because mm -hmm. he was someone who, like there were a lot of teachers as I kept going, getting older, who were like, that's not practical. You can't do that. And it was not practical for me to determine to be a filmmaker. Mm -hmm. I don't come from a family with wealth. <laughs> I don't have any sort of like connections to the industry. I just knew that like, that was the first thing I was like, oh, costumes that's fashion i love fashion mm. oh i love to write and then you can write the story it doesn't just live on the paper and i don't have to draw the pictures the people can be the pictures okay music like it was that thing that like it all kind of came together and mr reality never told me like no it was never you can't do that it was how are you going to do that mm. and he had like i'd be like oh i want to do this like short film where you know this is a Okay, well, how are you gonna do that? How are you how are you gonna do that? What what do you mean? Like, well, how are you gonna do that? Where are you gonna get the cameras from? Oh, well, I'm gonna I'm gonna borrow them. Are you? Can, can you do that? From mm. who? Okay, cool. Um, okay, and then I'm gonna have someone so and so and so be in it. Are they are they actors? Are they good at that? Oh no, maybe you should talk <laughs> to some of the kids in the theater class. Maybe mm -hmm. you should like, you know, and he it was like super, super rudimentary, but it was like early stage, like problem solving and like realization that like, just cause I wanted to do something mm -hmm. like that was not enough. Like I needed to craft a path. Cause like, I don't know, a dream without a plan is a witch, right? So <laughs> I'd have all these big <laughs> dreams and big ideas, mm -hmm. but he was the first person to be like, not, not no, not that's impractical, not that doesn't make any sense, but like, sure but you're going to have to figure it out. Cause like no one's going to help you. You have to kind of help yourself, but we're here to support you. It sounds like he introduced a very important mindset quite early on, like the practicality of actually making something and being able to uh, link imagination or internal visualization ideas with the ability to produce something, which is a discipline of sorts, right? Yeah, sounds like that was very, very, very important and uh, amazing that you could learn that so young. Wow. Yeah, it, it really like. I've only it's only in looking back that I can like see a lot of the lessons mm. and like sort of powerful guides that I feel very lucky to have had because, yeah. like I said, there were no like immediate forces kind of propelling me along. It was like self propulsion and like 
other folks kind of throwing gas on the fire. But it, it that mentality that he sort of nurtured, like, I think he saw that, like, I had the drive and the focus and the dream mm -hmm. and the ability, like, creatively, I would come up with great ideas. But another thing that he taught me or that that experience, because that's what I did all the way through high school. Mm -hmm. I was like, sure, like, I'll take the classes I need to to, like, get whatever I need. I'll do extracurriculars, college, you know, whatever. But I, from sixth grade through high school was always in Mr. Reality's class. And I was there late. <laughs> he would stay there and like, let me edit my weird little videos. Mm -hmm. He would, you know, let us all in. And like, we could as a class, just like come up with an idea and he would come in on the weekend and like, let us shoot a little film, you know? But it did teach me also like that it's okay to have these like really big ideas, but what can I do with what's available to me in the moment? Mm -hmm. It's not, oh, you have to wait, wait, wait. It's more like strategize and kind of compartmentalize like what's the core idea and mm -hmm. how can you use what you have to build it knowing that this could just be something you build upon later like it doesn't have to be exactly what you want the first time mm -hmm. so I would get so frustrated you know like this isn't this isn't good this isn't right you know and of course as a teenager you know a, a teenage perfectionist is, is a furious thing to be because <laughs> <laughs> a lot of emotions attached to uh the disappointment of that but he kind of handed me off nicely to mm -hmm. my college because um well how would you how would you describe like the main growth that you that took place from you before you discovered this to uh you know outgoing as you're finishing up high school what was the main lesson that you learned um through that chunk of time mm -hmm. between uh discovering film and graduating i yeah, guess yeah well, I definitely became very focused and I became very driven mm -hmm. because Mr. Reality was the only person telling me that I could mm -hmm. <laughs> literally, um, you know, my parents, uh, did their best to be supportive, mm -hmm. but they also like, didn't know, like really, they didn't have like the, the tools, like they definitely had the, the love, the care and the like, well, this is something you really want to do. So like, we want to help you do it but when i got you know scholarships to ucla and usc and i chose to go somewhere else that there were no scholarship for but it felt like the right thing for me to do for example they were just like no 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 like what like their idea of how to do things is very like sy systematic like, i don't know what the right word is um would you say that their thinking was a bit in the box yes or, thank yeah. you yeah. yeah, it definitely like this is you do this, this and this, and then that equals this, but nothing about my setup in life would equal what I wanted. So mm -hmm. I was like, we got to do some <laughs> curves, you know, we got to go in some different directions here. So what happened and I next? Just, yeah. Um, when I when I got into the school, I got into for for college, um, I had taken like a high school entry program there mm -hmm. and fell in love with just like it was in the tradition of like the Bauhaus studio mm -hmm. um school and I just art center is like this big black box on a hill in Pasadena and oh, you went I to art center yeah ah, the art center okay <laughs> art center college of design baby yeah. orange dot <laughs> yeah. 
I knew from the moment that I would walked into that black box for the first time that like I had to be there. Mm-hmm. It made no sense, but I did. And because of all of this experience I had in the past, I was able to put together a portfolio and like an actual reel mm-hmm. that most high school students weren't able to do. So I was one of the youngest people in the video and film program, but I just that's like one of the best times of my life. I I mm. think I still look super fondly because I was finally surrounded by people that wanted to do nothing else but the thing that they had chosen to do. And that was not only inspiring, it 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 pushed me. Like I had teachers that were like, "You should just drop out." Honestly, you have had no life experience. What are you telling stories about? Like mm. drop out, use the money that you're paying to go here, hire other people and like make a movie and like have that mistake. And I was like, no, <laughs> <laughs> I want to be here. I want to learn here. Mm. And I ended up having um, Francine Parker was my directing teacher. And she was, she, Mr. Reality laid down the foundation of like, you know, stay focused, stay driven. It'll, you know, just keep pushing. Francine was like, yeah, you need to know what you're doing. And mm. she was someone who like made us like build Bibles out of scripts, you know, and like if gave me that like insight of like, if I don't know the world that I'm trying to tell people how to live in from mm-hmm. top to bottom, mm-hmm. like I have no business setting foot on set as a director. If I don't know. And the way that our program worked is that we had to like, you know, take lighting courses we had to take acting classes we had to like go and do graphic design take photography courses and like learn every model of material that was going to be utilized in the work that we were doing Hmm. and wow it's like do the directors that i like really admire like guillermo del guillermo del toro like you see their storyboards you see their art like it's incredible and that school kind of gave me that that pathway into not only saying what I wanted to do, but like learning how to do it. Hmm. Wow, that's amazing. <laughs> <laughs> it, it's interesting for me listening to you because there's some parallels as what I was like as a kid and all that. But uh, I also see that because I, I started out directing music videos out of college, but I would say that I didn't quite get the full education I needed. I also dropped out because I was getting too many commissions for music videos. But I realized looking back that I had no idea what I was doing. I didn't understand the craft enough. And I think that um, badly affected my career, my first career. And it kind of ended up stopping because I really didn't understand craft enough. And I'm also thinking of what you're saying. Uh, I had, I was so immature, uh, a baby boy that happened to be in my 20s um i had nothing to offer other than some cool ideas but i wasn't together enough i wasn't grown up enough really at the time anyway i'm just running this through my head it's quite interesting listening to you anyway back to you how would you describe how you grew in this next phase in college what was the t coming out of that situation whatever version upgrade you had (laughs) I definitely was a lot more technically experienced Mm -hmm. after that. I agree with my teachers and also like some of what you've shared, like I like technically could craft a story Mm -hmm. at that point. Mm -hmm. And I had enough history, like I had incredible avant-garde history teachers of art 
and film. Mm -hmm. So I was full of like all of these options and like impractical ways to create just to create. And like, you know, Dogma 95 was like a big thing we focused on. And like, I, I think I left there with this very radical minded uh, approach to what filmmaking could be and appreciated that mm. and was determined that it didn't need to be just one thing. And this was as digital film or video was starting to kind of take precedence, mm -hmm. but there was still like that fight between film and mm. I actually had to drop out of Art Center as well because I couldn't afford to stay there. Mm. And going out into what was next like it was so disheartening because i was like no like i'm supposed to finish and like academia is what i'm good at like mm -hmm. i don't know how to do the world i know how to do school i know how to have an assignment and like do it really well and then get the next one i don't know how to live yet because this is all i've been doing mm -hmm. so like having to make the decision to leave was actually like really challenging because i didn't think that i had like value or worth if I didn't have a degree, mm -hmm. if I didn't have um, like the, the full experience, you know, and I think I was like maybe six months away from graduating and I just like I, I ran out of money and I, mm. it, it was borrowed money and it was just like there was no way to get more. And so, yeah, that was I think I left there technically skilled, but like disheartened, <laughs> oh, <laughs> you know? Yeah, that's tough. Yeah. Yeah. And like I bummed around after that at um, community college for a minute, got back into school um, in Philadelphia, moved across the country and like started going to art institute um, for photography because I was like, well, I still want to tell stories mm -hmm. and maybe I can't do it through film because film is really expensive, but I know how to take a good photo. I know how to like line stuff up mm -hmm. and I know like I know what looks good. Yeah. <laughs> So like I went to school for that and like I finished up there and it didn't feel the same because it wasn't what I wanted, but it was something and I loved my program and I loved the people I met there, but I definitely like left art center, like kind of, I think I was, I had been very naive before that where it's like, if I just want something hard enough and work hard enough, mm -hmm. I will get it. And that was like the first time that like the reality of like the world outside of me like was immovable. And I think that it has, you know, the endurance that it created in me, like anytime things have not happened and I've still kept going mm -hmm. is like, that's a form of endurance. Absolutely. Very yeah. <laughs> that, that is also, I believe a very important thing to learn because getting a creative career off the ground is not, usually straightforward it's not like you graduate and then you get some fancy job and then that's it you're set <laughs> yeah, everything that yeah. just comes to you on a on a platter that's really not how it works it's yeah. really hard to break in um and yeah usually from what i find with all the different interviews i've done on radical strategies you hear these stories almost as a pattern in some ways and it really requires developing that mindset again <laughs> and uh and then eventually and again, you'll get somewhere and again, yeah. And again. Yeah. <laughs> yeah so um is this uh, how you describe like one of the the, the key lessons I, I look at it as like you know when you like make a, a sword mm -hmm. right like you have to burn 
the metal mm-hmm. and then you have to beat it <laughs> and like these are the things that like forged me mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. and and it's also the things that have proven to me looking back that like like i don't know if i believe in fate necessarily in like a supernatural way but mm-hmm. i do think that there are things that we are most meant to do and most inclined to do and and storytelling point blank period that's why i always say i'm a storyteller Mm because like i was happy with photography like i loved the craft and everything but i wasn't satisfied Mm -hmm. like i wanted to make moving pictures (laughs) and so having this disappointment was one of those things where it's like okay well either you can go and do something else or you can try again Mm -hmm. and if you don't try again then this is what your life is going to be and is this okay is this what you want? Is this mm-hmm. as far as you wanted to go? No. So like, get up, go further. You know, it was, it was, it was one of those things that it felt like it was knocking me down, but it kept pushing me ahead. Cause I had to self-talk my way out of like a deep depression and a deep sense of shame and all the things that come with like capitalism <laughs> and like, <laughs> you know i came out the other side i moved across the country and i started over and then when i left um art institute it's like i don't have a whole lot to say there i have some teachers that were cool and like the program was great and like waking up at six in the morning to like take over the dark room and play bjork on cd was like super fun Mm -hmm. but you know it was a means to an end i needed Mm -hmm. to like finish school and i did and i love philly so that's another place i have memories but after that i just like kind of boogied up to New York because I'd been up there a couple of times and it just felt like Philly was really cool, but it was like big fish, small pond. But even if you're a big fish, like there's just not enough water. Mm-hmm. If that makes sense. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and well so said. in New York, you know, <laughs> but in New York, I was like, Oh my God. Like, a, you can disappear if you want to there, which is kind of as an introvert, an exciting option. But mm-hmm. it felt like another place where like I could learn to swim better, if that makes sense. Like the same way that Art Center was like full of people that were doing, doing, doing. New York, it's like I'd already tried LA out. I grew up here. It's very transactional here. And I know human relationships can always be transactional mm-hmm. anywhere, mm-hmm. but the nature of the experience that i've had i've had of people on the east coast in general was maybe more mm, in sync with my bio rhythm mm, interesting okay <laughs> like growing up people were always like you need to move to the east coast you're such an east coaster i'm like i don't know how you got that impression i'm like third generation los angelino but like mm-hmm. okay mm-hmm. But I got to New York and I was like, okay, like it's humid. My hair looks better. My skin looks better. Also, like <laughs> everyone's trying with the outfits. We love it. I'm outside. I'm in the rush of life. And I don't know what's going to happen, but I know that whatever's going to happen here couldn't happen anywhere else that I'd been yet because it, mm. it hadn't, you mm-hmm. know, it wasn't for lack of trying. And I got a job like, I had a bunch of little jobs and I struggled. Like my New York experience was rough until the end because mm-hmm. again, no outside resources, literally making it up as I went along, but like in a place where you could hustle. So like 
that works, you mm-hmm. know? Um, and like the first person that I ended up getting like a real job that like made an impact was with this artist named George Peck, who's this Hungarian, like he was an artist in the sixties and seventies and eighties of like large format, like these huge paintings. Mm-hmm. And I, I was not alive then, so I was not familiar with that work, but he had been pivoting to uh, video installations Mm. and he needed an assistant to help with like stuff in his office, but also curatorially. And I had photography skills. I could archive his work. I had video knowledge. I could help edit stuff Mm -hmm. and boom. Working for him was really important for me because it taught me what the other side of being an artist was. Mm. It taught me that it's not just, oh, make the art, have the gallery show, fun, fun, <laughs> fun, kids, kids. Working for him was opening up letters mm-hmm. from correspondents. It was responding to them in a timely fashion. It was writing new, like, outreach emails and inquiries and um, running so many errands. <laughs> which when you first moved to New York and don't know where anything is, wow, the trains, but Mm. you know, it was, it was, it was running up to Harlem and then down to the studio to grab something. And then it was running back to the office and then, you know, like it was, it was work. And I, that was the first time I was like, Oh, like to do this well, to have a multi-decade long career, Mm -hmm. there's work behind this. (laughs) I did not, no one tells you that. Ah, I think that was like my first major like Oz moment behind mm, the curtain. Just mm. like, oh, and then like looking around the office, I'm like, oh, there's like other assistants here. Like there's so much work mm. that like you need support. You need obviously this was like, you know, pre-social media. So I guess we do have some like um, democracy and like self-marketing that wasn't there before. But I would say that any like person like i need an assistant i don't have one but like i would it would it you know that would be helpful at this Mm -hmm. time in my life there's Mm -hmm. a lot to do but that was that working for george is one of those like big standout moments of like oh like this isn't just hanging out and having big ideas Mm -hmm. like it kind of tied back to like that stuff that mr reality was showing me Mm -hmm. of just like you know if you're doing a, a large format video projection painting, like you have to go and get the gauze. You have to have like the concept, you have to shoot, you have to book the shoot, you have to shoot the shoot, you have to edit the footage, you have to make it look good, you have to try and sometimes have bad ideas. Like some of his stuff didn't always like pan out. You know, we tend to try three different things to project onto before the right one, you know, there was just a lot of he 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 was a big source of guidance for me and source of just understanding that it wasn't just about having an imagination and a dream. So what advice would you have for someone who's say they're in art college or some kind of creative design school um, and they're they've got big dreams, right? Maybe they're not in one of the big international creative centers, you know, Paris, London, Tokyo, New York, L.A. Um, but they've got dreams. Um, what advice would you have for them? What to do? I think that mentorship is invaluable. Mm-hmm. I think that having somebody in your life as a guide who has what you want, 
whether it's knowledge and understanding and kind of like an apprenticeship of a craft or a skill, mm-hmm. or it's experience and reaching out via email or, you know, someone on social media that you may follow, um, outreach. Like I've, I've recently done this. I've recently, I didn't get to have the alum program from my school. So mm-hmm. I've, I've had to reach out to other people kind of cold email <laughs> and just be like, hi, I really love your work. And, um, wonder if you would be open to like a phone call or meeting for coffee or mm-hmm. whatever to ask questions. And I think that in this modern world we've created, we've done ourselves a great disservice. Like artists are community, mm-hmm. you know, artists have thrived in community. It's, it's, it's historical throughout history. There's little collectives and writers groups and stuff. So finding other people around you who you can collaborate with and be inspired by and challenged by, um, you know, the dogma 95 people were a bunch of film students who got together and said, you know, what, we're going to turn it all around. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we're going to do something different. And it, it, it's, it's very easy to think that like, I have to be the only one and the best, but I don't know. I think there's something really empowering in having people to turn to, Mm -hmm. to like bounce ideas off of and expand one's experience with, and then also like support through things, you know, like I only have $500 on my own, but if a bunch of us come together with $500, that's enough to make a short film. You submit that short film to a festival and people love the concept, that's how you get funding or a grant to keep going. Mm. You get that grant, all of a sudden you have a feature and you didn't even need a studio for it, you know? Yeah. That's fantastic advice. Community. (laughs) (laughs) How important is location? Because you went to an international creative culture hub. Do you think that that's very important for someone that's starting out to be in one of these places? Big fish, no water? I would say that it is helpful, but not necessary because mm-hmm. of the landscape that we're in. Yeah. Like you and I are not in the same room, but we're, we're talking, mm-hmm. you know, and I've done so many projects, especially over the last two years where I was never in the room with the people. I, I directed a two music videos recently from right here oh, wow. <laughs> in New York. Oh, wow. <laughs> not ideal. I love being on set, mm-hmm. but like the video still exists. So I do think that for someone like myself who um, like it's hard for me to talk to people, mm-hmm. being in a place is better because I'm going to run into people or maybe I'm at a music show and like I meet someone who does a thing and then all of a sudden we're doing a thing together. Mm-hmm. Uh, I do also know that like collectors pop up everywhere. I have friends in every state who like, have found their people and Mm -hmm. have are making art and are making films that are again because of technology the internet the democratization of access as well as communication you can build community online Mm -hmm. and i would say that it's important for people to go new places because it just expands who you are and your concept of like others but I, I'm hesitant to say that it's an absolute necessity because if you have it in you to create and build and you want to do it with other people, there's no better place to start than where you are and there's no better time to start than 
right yeah. now, you know. Just the internet now. Zoom. <laughs> VR chat. Have you done VR chat? You gone to the Not metaverse? Yeah, I'm so strange. desperate. <laughs> I want to do it. I want to see it. <laughs> yeah. Cool. So let's uh, look at the next stage, which is the establishment of your creative practice. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. I started like interning for magazines. I started doing um, photography work, realized that like film was still calling my name. And just over the years, you know, <laughs> my like employment career on paper because like you got to eat you got to pay rent mm -hmm. and if you're the only one making that possible you do what you got to do new york is a hustle town mm -hmm. so my creative practice really like i had to make time for it and i had to be intentional about it because i've done everything from work as a school teacher like or a teacher's assistant to a merchandiser for like fashion companies to restaurant work to modeling work to like like all this stuff all over the place but i knew that i was all a means to an end and so i think my first part of that is like being clear about the goal like mm. every day it's like what is the goal today what am i doing am mm -hmm. i writing for two hours am i writing for 10 minutes am i doing outreach to other people am i trying to like follow up with whoever, you know, that person I met who was like, oh, it'd be cool to do a video together. Like, did I follow up with them? Like, that's George stuff. George followed up with everyone. Not most things don't lead anywhere. But if I don't, if I wasn't actively like a marketing myself the best way I could, which is just talking about like what I do. Um, and also just like engaging with people who showed interest, uh, that would be nothing like it would, it would not matter. And like, I was practicing like I would just take you know by that point video was a thing so I had a like really you know garbage little video camera and I would like just shoot stuff and practice editing and like just shoot little ideas and like I was just trying to stay engaged with the thing even if I wasn't able to do the thing professionally if mm -hmm. that makes sense mm -hmm. and like flexing the muscles right you have to keep working out if you want to be strong and stay strong so um yeah, I don't know. And it's interesting because, you know, going back to my teachers at Art Center, who said I had no experience, like all these things that I did in between, I was meeting new people, I was traveling, mm. I was seeing new things, you know, I was in a band, I learned a new skill, like all these different like things that now like inform my construct of self and as a storyteller, like mm -hmm. you can tell the stories in your head, sure, but like if you're not, I think of myself as like a prism where it's like, all of this information is coming in mm -hmm. and it's like, how do I, like, I have the ability thanks to this like art form to like put it places, but it's like, if I don't get out of my house and do stuff, then it's just, this stuff's cool too. Like, mm -hmm. but what is it being informed by? And so. The inside that, of your that, eyelids can be an amazing place. It's an incredible place. <laughs> and it is a place that I look forward to returning to yeah. every single day, right? But yeah, you got to get out. You got to get out. <laughs> and in that getting out, you also have to like keep the focus. Mm -hmm. And I think that no matter what job I've had, no matter who I've been working for, I've been, you know, I've worked for one of the top post houses in New York. I've worked for a pretty major magazine. 
um, full time on their video team. Like I've had all these like cool jobs on paper, but mm-hmm. like, and that taught me a different way of being too. Well, it, <laughs> working in those places taught me how to move quick and throw out all of that technical film knowledge I mm-hmm. had. Cause boy, did the world change. <laughs> <laughs> They want you to think real fast now and like being adaptable. That's one thing that I would say to people is like Mm. rigidity has no place in being a professional in the creative industry because things are changing so fast all of the time. If I sit down and say, well, this is how it's done. And somebody's like, no, this is how we do it here. Then I'll get nowhere. One of the ways that I've kind of stayed attuned to my work and my practice, regardless of what institution I'm working for, what project I'm on, you know, I wake up each day, I meditate, that's part of my practice. Mm -hmm. It helps kind of ground me, my brain's going real fast all the time. And I try to like, if I'm not writing for an hour, I'm at least writing for 10 minutes and it's just like blurbing out ideas, dreams, whatever. Um, I, I have a, I do like block scheduling. So like I write down all the stuff that I need to do. And then I come up with like priorities to do it throughout the day. Mm -hmm. And right now there's not always time to do all the fun stuff because I'm an adult. (laughs) I just want to do the fun stuff all the time. But luckily most of the stuff I have to do in a day is fun for me as an artist. Um, So what does your what does your practice look like now? What kind of projects are you doing now? Uh, today, currently, I'm doing a combination of music based projects and um, narrative film work. Mm-hmm. And working towards moving back into commercial work. And the intention behind that is because I lo- I like the idea of telling cinematic stories on a large platform mm-hmm. uh, and having, I don't know, I feel like the, the task of the artist is to open a window towards possibility. I have in one of my journals, like if I could just show the world what it could be, maybe it would want to be closer to that. Mm. I think the idea of bringing joy is such a beautiful uh, possibility. I'm a possibilitarian. And yeah, it, it, <laughs> I like that. I think that, you know, the, the, the daily practice really, I mean, it, it remains the same. I wake up, I meditate, I move my body in some way, and then I get clear on what I need to do, what I want to do, and how much time in the day I have to do it. And I, do my best to prioritize and then sort of stick to what I said I would do. Mm-hmm. Cause I think the worst thing that I can do as a person is to um, like debt against myself, promise myself I would get this done and then not do it. And mm-hmm. then it carries over the next day. Anyway. Um, I have on my wall. Sometimes it's better to be done than perfect because mm-hmm. I'll get stuck <laughs> in analysis paralysis and procrastinate through something. It's like, mm-hmm. no, just do it. You can change it tomorrow. Just get this thing done. Just write. Just just draw. Just just do the storyboards. If you don't like them tomorrow, if you don't like the the treatment that you just sent that client, just change it and be like, hey, here's an updated version. You know, write those emails. They're not fun, but just like respond. Just respond. And it's hard <laughs> for me. 
focus. So like I have to be um, really intentional about writing stuff down and and looking at it again and mm. and making it more of a a task oriented experience than like the creative stuff happens when I'm on set. That's mm. when the fun. That's when my AD comes in and tells me what time it is because I don't, I'm not paying attention. I'm like mm -hmm. doing stuff, but day to day, like it really, it's not super, <laughs> it's not as glamorous as uh, I thought it would be, but mm. there is glamor in it. Cause I feel really good at the end of the day when I uh, know I'm closer to goals. <laughs> well, this brings me to the theme of the season of radical strategies. And that is adulting for creatives. Because <laughs> often, not always, but often creative people can be a bit impractical or maybe hypertrophied. You know, they're very specialized in one direction and a lot of other stuff that most people want to take care of. They don't even notice, like eating. <laughs> um, so for you, I'm, I'm curious uh, if you could tell me about a bit about your journey of starting out as this, this creative child teenager um student and then now you've got your your career up and running um how you've just had to grow to adult in some fashion <laughs> what, what does that journey mean like for you uh, well i hate adulting it's so mm. boring <laughs> <laughs> yeah i think that honestly like the crushing jaws of adulthood mm -hmm. really got their hold on me when I moved back to LA. Mm -hmm. Like in New York, like it is a little bit like Never Neverland. Like my rent was rent controlled. I lived, I was able to just kind of like be abundant in a lot of ways that really mattered to me socially, experientially, mm -hmm. and financially. And moving back to LA, it was like, oh like there's a lot to do mm -hmm. in a day i have to get myself places in new york just roll out of bed you hop on a train it takes you somewhere and then mm -hmm. you do your stuff right mm -hmm. <laughs> like i can't drive also so it's oh. like okay am i riding my bike am i taking the skateboard am i doing public transportation how far is this thing am i ubering do i have enough money for like I had to get real clear on like my finances moving here. Mm -hmm. I had to get like, whew, and like I moved here right before COVID too. Mm -hmm. So that was a hiccup. To say <laughs> <laughs> I had like a super great career and then COVID happened and I was like, what do I do? Mm -hmm. That actually almost took out my directing career. Cause I was just like, I quit. No one wants to hire me. I quit. Mm -hmm. And I was like, that's stupid. I'm not quitting. I'm going to do it. It's fine. But I mean, that that really gave me a lot of downtime to like determine what was necessity and what um, I really needed to learn how to do. Like, I, I think I've done some growing up in the last couple of years that <laughs> I got away with not doing uh, before. Mm -hmm. And how would you describe yeah. what that growing up was? Well, I have like huh, a budget, like, or not a budget, but like I, I keep track of my finances. Like mm -hmm. <laughs> if I want to go and, you know, do something, I literally like check if I can, which mm -hmm. was not like a thing that I did before. It was kind of like, yeah, it's itself out. It's fine. 
Um, and like, if I want to do a project, same thing as before, like, okay, that costs money. Like, do I have that money? Okay. I don't Well, How do I get that money? What can I do? Can I apply for a grant? Can I, uh, reach out to folks, whatever. Uh, <laughs> I had to learn how to communicate a lot better. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm neurodivergent. So like, I, I have blindnesses in like ways that like, yes, I'm an artist, but also like <laughs> I'm over there on the spectrum. <laughs> mm. <laughs> and so it's like, I can forget to shower. I can also forget I have a phone for seven days and not because I don't care about the people, but like, I just forget. Like, it's not, it's not what I'm thinking about. Cause I'm thinking about all this stuff over here. Mm. If I wanted to build a client base in this new city, especially post a global pandemic, I needed to answer emails. <laughs> I needed to respond quickly to things. Um, mm. I left social media for a while. I left social media for a year. Um, some of that was personal. I was dealing with some stuff that did not need to be broadcast. But mm. a lot of it was like, I just need to like channel. I need to understand what it is I'm trying to do. Even on that thing, like, what is the reason? Am I doing this? Because like, before it used to be like a self, like a diary. Do I want it to be a diary? Do I want to market myself? Do I want to do some version of both? I don't know. The strategy is unclear, but what I'm doing now is like probably not stuff I should say publicly. Pause. Mm -hmm. And taking that break really did give me time to kind of hone in on what I wanted to do. It freed up a lot of brain space that was just like white noise in a bad way. Static. It wasn't white noise. It was static. Mm -hmm. And clearing that up it also like you know business is what do they say it's like 90 percent relationships so it definitely gave me more time to build relationships and talk to people yeah i don't know i don't know what i'm doing in the day i just <laughs> i'm still making it up as i go but i'm trying i'm yeah. trying a lot harder <laughs> sounds like you've got a few things worked out so fantastic conversation uh last question for you and this is a question that all the guests on Radical Strategies uh, receive. And that is, what is your Radical Strategy of the day? What is, what is your advice for someone that's starting out, that has hopes and dreams of finding a way to live from their creativity? Well, <laughs> I think I'm going to borrow, borrow from what other people have said, you know. Mm. Uh, a dream without a plan is a wish. And so if you have a dream, figure out how to do it and ask other people like there are other people with more experience or other people who are going through what you're going through mm -hmm. talk to them build that community and it's okay not to know stuff so find the people who can give you the answers and help you build your path amazing well thank you very much great conversation yeah, thank you. Thank you, Rod. It's been nice to talk to you. Cool.